I invite you, if you have not already, to open your Bibles to Matthew 1. In Matthew 1, we see the virgin conception and birth of Jesus. I hope this is a text that is now very familiar to you. But there's nothing, no higher moment in a sermon than the reading of Scripture. Let's read these words from the New American Standard. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, wanted to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin will be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. The events in Matthew 1 verse 18 which we read today through Matthew 2, the end of Matthew 2 in verse 23. These events are largely unique to Matthew. There is a little overlap in the Gospel of Luke, as we'll see today, but these events are largely unique to the Gospel of Matthew. They are powerful. We ask a few questions. What are some things that the Luke 1 account, the appearance of the angel to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus, has in common with Matthew 1 with the appearance to Joseph to announce the birth of Jesus? We also ask, what are the things in the text that indicate the virgin birth of Jesus? And then we ask, what is the point of all of this? Surely there is a profound theological point of this monumental event. I hope you have pondered those things. And Lord willing, after we look at the text, we want to see them. But let me encourage you to look down at your text. I want to tell you to me the measure of a good sermon. A measure of a good sermon is how frequently you have your head down. Looking at the scripture. And the Bible tells us that the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, 
before they came together. Now, it is hard for us, it is hard for English translations to translate that particular word that is translated betrothed, betrothed. That particular word may be translated engaged in some of your versions, but it's difficult to know how to translate because we don't really have a comparable word in the English language. You notice that Mary... And Joseph, the relationship with them is described as a husband-wife relationship. You see that in verse 19. Joseph, her husband. And then in verse 20, he is told not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife. Um, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, dream, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So the the relationship between them seems to be a husband-wife relationship, but they have not had relations. What happened in those days is Jewish girls were betrothed and engaged. It took a divorce to divide that. If If it was, the husband died in the meantime, the wife was considered a widow, but they were not living together in the same house, and they have not had a sexual union. Now let me tell you something. It may be significant. Is Mary may not have been much older. Been 12 or 13 years old. For often, it was at this age that these relationships started. Can you imagine people that young being given the Savior of the world? But the Bible tells us when Joseph learns she is with child, she is pregnant. He is a righteous man. He's a just man. He loves this woman. He doesn't want to put her out to public disguise. But he knows how children come into the world. Oh, yes. They figured that out. Even back in the time of Joseph. And he knows that she has committed adultery. And he is going to put her away secretly. Not wanting to make a public display of this. Let me tell you something. Side note, but I think a pretty important This word about making a public display is used one other time in the New Testament. And it is used in Colossians 2.15 of Christ through the cross and through the resurrection making a publicly, a public display of triumph over sin and wickedness. But Joseph in this case, doesn't want to make, put his wife up to public shame. 
He doesn't want her to wear the scarlet A in front of her society. He wants to do this secretly. But when he is thinking of this, an angel of the Lord appears to him. And angels in the Gospel of Matthew surround the birth of Jesus... We're going to find the mention in Matthew 2, verse 13. In Matthew 2, verse 19, they surround the birth of Jesus. They surround the temptation of Jesus. In Matthew 4, 11, the angels will come and minister to him. And angels will surround the resurrection of Jesus. In Matthew 28, verse 2. In Matthew 28, verse 5, they will announce that he is risen. But an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and you find people given revelations in dreams only in the gospel of Matthew in the whole New Testament and you find it quite frequently especially in the first two chapters but he is given a dream and he has said Joseph son of David now this is the only time the phrase son of David is used in the New Testament and it's not talking about Jesus Joseph Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child that is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she's going to bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Save his people from their sin. It is interesting that in a couple of chapters, we're going to see John the Baptist preaching, repent. Jesus is going to preach, repent. John's baptism is said to be for forgiveness of sins. Jesus' death is for forgiveness of sins. There are a lot of problems in our world. There were a lot of problems in the world then. But the greatest problem that affects our world is the problem of sin. And that's the ultimate problem that Jesus came to solve. It's not that we're unconcerned about other problems or other suffering, but we know the root of it all is sin. And that's what Jesus came to deal with. He will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And we will find that type of introductory statement about ten times as we study through the Gospel of Matthew. All this took place to fulfill what was written in the prophets. Matthew, writing to Jewish readers, is filling his book with Old Testament scriptures to show that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the one that we've been waiting for. But I love the way he introduces this quote here in verse 22. That which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. The reason when we come together, we are looking at this book. is because ultimately it is not a compilation of the writings of the wisest and best men. These are the words of God. That which was spoken to you by God. And here in this passage, that it might be fulfilled what the Lord spoke through the mouth 
of Isaiah. Behold, a virgin will be with child and shall bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This passage, a quote from Isaiah 7.14. In Isaiah 7, Ahaz was the king of Judah. And Ahaz's heart is trembling when he hears that the armies of Aram and the armies of Israel are coming to attack him. They're trying to attack him to get him to join an Assyria, an alliance against Assyria. And the Bible tells us the prophet Isaiah came to him. And the prophet Isaiah said, ask a sign, ask a sign of the Lord as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. And Ahaz, who is a wicked man, who has already made up his decision, he doesn't want to follow the Lord. And he doesn't want to ask the Lord for a sign because he doesn't want to be compelled if the Lord gives that sign to obey the Lord. He said, I will not tempt the Lord and I will not ask for a sign. He said, it's a small thing for you to weary men, O house of David, but you're wearying the Lord. Behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign that a virgin will be with child and shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And before the child knows to refuse evil and choose good, the land and the two kings that you dread will be destroyed, will be forsaken. Now, that is short treatment of Isaiah 7 in verses 13 and 14. If you want a fuller treatment, feel free to ask me about it. Make sure you have 35, 40 minutes to talk, though. Because I love to talk about that passage. I love that passage. And it tells us... A lot. But Joseph got up from his sleep. And notice, he does the two things that the angel told him to do. As we have stated before, often in the Bible, a command is stated, and then the obedience is recorded in the very word the commandment was given him. Let me illustrate. Verse 24. Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. He was told in verse 20, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He took Mary as his wife. He wasn't, he did what the Lord commanded. Now this was no small matter. Some Jewish people demanded that if a wife become pregnant in such a circumstance, that you divorce her. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. He took her as his wife, just as verse 20 says. He called his name Jesus. Just as verse 25 states. So much could be said 
But let's look at some comparisons between this text and Luke 1. Let me invite you to keep your finger at Matthew 1, but let's just read Luke 1. Luke 1, 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. Now understand, this is not the recording of the same event. This is the recording of an appearance of the angel to Mary, which happens before Matthew's account of the appearance of the angel to Joseph. But here it is the angel Gabriel who appears to Mary, and he appears in verse 27. Mary is introduced as a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. Both of these accounts stress the appearance of the angel. Both of them stress Mary was a virgin. Both of them stress that Joseph was of the seed of David or the descendants of David. The Bible says in verse 27 of Luke 1, the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 28, coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel of the Lord departed. Both of these accounts emphasize the child was to be named Jesus and a child was the result of the Holy Spirit. So there are all kinds of similarities between Luke 1, the appearance to Mary, a Gabriel, and Mark, Matthew 1, the appearance of an angel to Joseph. They record different events, but there is that you can see that they are dealing with the same account. Did you notice all the references to the virgin birth? Before they came together, verse 18, Matthew 1, we're in Matthew 1 now. Before they came together, she was with child by the Holy Spirit. 
In verse 20, the child is conceived in her of the Holy Spirit. The virgin shall be with child. And he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to her son. I have possibly used this illustration before. At Harrelson Teaching History, the you assign students a paper of a certain amount of pages. They're going to put a lot of filler material in there. They're going to put a lot of things just meant to take up space. And he says one was writing on William Penn recently. Well, you, you are very familiar with William Penn now. But as one was writing on William Penn, it said, it states the year of his birth. He was born in 1644. And then it has this line. He had both a father and a mother. Now that was some research. That was some deep research. So it has been for every human being since Adam and Eve, except one. Except one. Some of you may be familiar with the commentaries of William Barclay. He knew how to turn a phrase. He knew how to state things sometimes well. His commentaries were widely circulated and now I suppose they're on public domain. But I want you to understand something. If you're familiar with those... And I'm not saying don't read them at all because he could word things well, but I want you to understand this. He was not a believer. He talked on this passage in his commentary on Matthew said, speaking of this passage about the virgin birth, this is a doctrine that presents us with many difficulties. Our church does not compel us to accept it in any literal or physical sense. This is one of the doctrines on which the church says that we have the full liberty to come to our own conclusion. Well, I really don't care what his church says or doesn't say. God said it. And I believe it. And people want to mock and say, this is unscientific. It's unscientific to believe this. First of all, let's not be guilty of what C.S. Lewis would call chronological snobbery. To act like those people hadn't figured out the basic facts of biology. Joseph is going to divorce her. He's going to divorce her because she is pregnant and he knows he has not been with her. 
And so as a result of that, he understands how children come into the world. Mary understood it, however young she may have been. How can this be since I am a virgin? They knew just as well as we know. But it's amazing to me, in our world, where some will say, this world just happened by accident. There was no God who created it. They're basically saying, our whole world came into being without a father or without a mother, and yet God couldn't give a child to a woman without an earthly father. Really? And we're even living in a world where some of those same people who scoff at the virgin birth of Jesus would tell you it's controversial if you say only women I believe it. And you should believe it. Because the God who can create the world out of nothing And the God who can one day raise all those who are dead can bring a child into the world through this means. I believe it. Now, What is the significance of a virgin birth? I would say to us that it tells us that Jesus is God. Jesus is deity. And that Jesus is man at the same time. Now, I think we can get this from Matthew 1 itself, just like from the text. Do you see the word in verse 18? The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. The word, the birth, in the New American Standard Bible, the word, the birth, is the same word translated genealogy in chapter 1, verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. So, genealogy in verse 1 is the same as birth in verse 18. It's the same. I think that Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17, is giving the human descent of Jesus. Jesus is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. It gives us the human genealogy of Jesus. But then in Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25, it tells us the divine genealogy of Jesus. Jesus is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. He comes from their legal line, but he is all. Also, the Son of God. 
Now there are other passages that that stress this. In, In Luke 1 verse 32 and Luke 1 verse 35, He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will be called the Son of God because the Holy Spirit uh, conceived him uh, in the womb or had him conceived in the womb of Mary. He is called the Son of God. And yet this one who had no human father, who was of divine birth from his father's side, has a fully human mother. And because of this, Jesus is both God and man. Look at Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 18. The Bible says, Since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same. So they partake in flesh and blood. He partook of the same. So that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things. So he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Let's leave some of that verse for a little little bit later. But in verse 14, children share in flesh and blood. He partook of the same. And in verse 18, he or 17, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. Let me ask you to turn your Bibles to Job 9. Let me explain a little bit the context of Job 9. You know the book of Job as a whole. And you know about Job's suffering and Job's experiences and Job's pain. Job is speaking in Job 9 and 10. And he wants to present his case to God. As he wants to present his case to God, he knows that God is mightier than he is. He knows that God is wiser than he is. He says that in Job 9 verse 4, for example. Wise in heart and mighty in strength, who has defied him without harm? How can I argue with him? How can I present my case to him? How can I make a plea to him? He's wiser than I am. He is stronger than I am. And the rest of the chapter really continues this, this Job pouring out his heart before God. Pouring out his heart that he cannot bring his case to God. But look in Job 9. Verses 32 and 33. He is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, that we may go to court together. There is no umpire between us who may lay his hands upon us both. Who can be an umpire between man and God? Who can be a mediator between God and man? It, it would be someone 
who was both God and man. Someone that was holy as God's holy. And someone that had experienced the struggles and trials and problems of being a man. That word umpire, when it is translated in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it is the same word rendered in the verses behind me, mediator. Jesus answers the longings of Job. Listen to 1 Timothy 3, excuse me, 1 Timothy 2. In verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Notice he emphasizes him as the man, Christ Jesus. He is the umpire. He is the mediator. Job longed for, who is both God, who is both man, who can lay his hands upon both. Who can bring reconciliation between God and man. Psalm 117, as you probably know, is the shortest psalm. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. Psalm 118 is the middle chapter of the Bible. Now again, what does that mean is the middle chapter? I'm not sure. And that is as we divide the Bible. But right in these this middle chapter. What does the Bible warn us? It warns us against putting our trust in men, even in the most powerful of men, and tells us to put our trust in God. The Bible tells us in Psalm, in Psalm 118, in verses 8. Uh, and nine. My point is that only God can save. It says it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Notice he says man in verse, in verse eight, in verse nine, he says princes. The point, even putting our trust in the most powerful men, is putting our trust in something that will ultimately fail us. In Psalm 140, Verses 146, verses 3 and 4. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. If Jesus were just a man, he could not save us from our sins. Only God can save us. Isaiah 45, verses 1 and 2. The Lord alone is Savior. He alone can save. And yet, He is a man who has experienced our struggles and our trials. 
Let's go back to Hebrews 2 and read 17 and 18. And Hebrews 4 verses 14 through 16. And I encourage you to reflect on these thoughts. For they are powerful thoughts that the scripture gives. Reflect on who he is. But Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. So he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of his people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who was tempted in all things as we are, yet he without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The fact that our high priest has been tempted in every point as we have, yet without sin, is an encouragement that he can give us strength. In our times of weakness. I believe this letter of the Hebrews was written to a group of people who were in danger of abandoning their faith and turning back to their Jewish roots because Judaism had the protection of a legal religion and Christianity didn't. And these people had their property confiscated. Uh, in Hebrews 10, verses 32 through 34. And they may face severe trials for their faith. Does Jesus know anything about that? Does Jesus know anything about that? Does Jesus know what it's like? To be innocent and to have everyone turn against him. Does Jesus know what it's like to have charges made against you that are completely false? Does Jesus know what it's like to suffer? For doing the right thing. He has been tempted in all points as we are. Yet he without sin. I am not adequate. To express the depth of this profound subject. It is greater than I am.
I was deeply moved this morning. In singing some of these hymns. Some of these hymns in which I knew the first verse. But not the second. The second verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give us second birth. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, incarnate deity. Not to be insulting, but that just means God is taken. God is living as a man. If you did not know the word incarnate. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. God with us, that means. In a way, this brings together the whole story of the Bible. That in spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our disobedience, God doesn't give up on us. And the same God that dwelt in the tabernacle, the same God that moved into the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the place, the same God is in the person of Jesus Christ. Because God hasn't given up on us. And God has given His Son, Jesus, to save us from our sins. That is good news. It is good news He has come to bring salvation. It is good news that He hasn't given up on us. It is good news. It's good news. That God dwelt with man. If you are in sin, that's the reason you can. I cannot promise you a higher standard of living after becoming a Christian. I cannot promise you freedom from pain or sickness. But He promises forgiveness. That is the root of the problem. And he can promise eternal life. If you believe Jesus died for you and rose again, if you believe this Jesus who came into the world, both God and man, died for you, if you believe that, repent of your sins, come to be immersed in him as we stand and as we sing. Before 151.